Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week we're talking all things crypto world with Phil Harvey, the CEO of Phoenix Technology. They are a global leader in cryptocurrency, including mining, hosting, investments, and the official Bitman distributor uh, for the region. He's also accumulated a specific skill set over a number of years in various industries, such as the British military, security, finance, and construction. Having worked in the space with various groups, Phil now combines his passion and experience of operations and planning with the blockchain industry knowledge in setting up Phoenix, Phoenix Technologies global operations that spans three continents. So what Phil's uh, mission at Phoenix Technology is to lead the company to be the biggest global player and benchmark in the cryptocurrency mining business. Today, we're going to talk about Phoenix Technology, the industry of cryptocurrency and data mining and the future of the company. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Phil. How are you? <laughs> yes, good. Whichever one you want to choose. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. So you're joining us from uh, South Carolina and it's 3 a.m. Yep, luckily for me, for you, yeah, 3 so a.m. Uh, for you, yeah. Sorry. Are you just up or are you still awake? Uh, no, just uh, just finishing off the uh, the day, unfortunately. Amazing. So, it's, so tell us a little bit more about Phoenix Technology, what it does, and where you're set up, and uh, yeah, the the story basically. Sure, Phoenix has been around for a number of years now, um, seven in total. Um, started off in the mining space with uh, GPUs, and then progressed into the more custom-made machines, the ASICs machines that we we readily use today. We have operations in uh, Middle East, in Russia, uh, North America, um, hence why I'm currently here. Um, and we set up our mining operations uh, for our own equipment, as well as the uh, equipment that we look after for, for clients in Dubai, where you guys will, will know us from. We have our, our showroom there, as well as the showroom that we just recently opened in Turkey. So uh, a number of different uh, applications, but all to do uh, within the mining space. Okay, so that kind of narrows it down because obviously the crypto world is uh, quite broad and there's a lot of topics and we can get into some of them. But specifically around mining, like people would have come across it in the news, a lot to do with the narrative around energy and things like that. But when you have a store, are you selling uh, devices that, are you selling computers? Is it hardware heavy or, or what sort of, what sort of services do you provide? Sure. I mean, look, the, the whole idea and movement behind having a, a physical location is my world is typically online. So people don't necessarily get to experience it. Um, so there was a big push from our side to, to just have a, a central location where people could come through, uh, understand a little bit more about the industry from individuals that live and breathe the space. So that was why we'd uh, open the stores in, in Dubai and then recently in Turkey. The stores themselves, we sell the um, mining hardware, the ASICs machines um, from, from Bitmain. Um, so the, the, the showroom, if you will, is, is a very high-end boutique style showroom, very clean, very simplistic Apple style-esque. 
and um, clients or, or anyone that's interested in getting into mining can come to the showroom and look and see, feel the, the hardware itself and then ask the questions to us, the guys that you know run uh, the blockchain from, from a, a very basic um, fundamental uh, aspect. So, so uh, the Bitmain uh, computers, are they a general provider of normal computers or do they do something specific? This, this device is a, a some, you said it again, sorry. The, yeah. Basics, yeah. So um, Bitmain are the largest um, equipment manufacturer for, for our industry. They also have um, AI um, machines as well, um, but they're predominantly within the, uh, the the Bitcoin mining space or, or SHA-256, which is the algorithm that, that Bitcoin operates on. They also offer a number of other different machines within the space, but as I said, primarily it's the uh, the Bitcoin mining machines that we're, we're familiar with. Okay, interesting. So, so is that your main business? Is that the main source? If someone, a client, uh, someone, obviously, I, I assume that they buy a number of these devices as a customer. Do you service them? Do you provide them? Do you ship them? Is is that sort of where you, you make your revenue from? Um, uh, yes, we, we, we do start to finish uh, for mining. So um, a prospect could come into the showroom. Uh, to discuss um, either purchasing the equipment and them running themselves or they can purchase their equipment and then they can be left with us which is called hosting um, which is uh, very common in the industry so we're able to uh, look after their equipment as well uh, over a set period of time Um, the, the machines themselves as a single unit are easy enough to run but then when you run 20 30 000 machines as we do um, it's a large space uh, that you need uh, and, and footprint, um, either that be from a power drawer or, or physical, um, to run these things. And they generate a huge amount of heat uh, and noise. So it's not necessarily something that you want in the bedroom, let's say. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And do you, do you operate these devices, most of those 30,000, and where are they located? Some of them are in Russia. Um, we have uh, locations as well in Canada. And then this is why I'm here in the US at the moment. We're currently expanding into a 100 plus megawatt facility uh, that's under construction, oh, wow. um, as well as uh, looking for another 100 megawatts. So yeah, on the hunt for, for power. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So it's such an interesting space. Um, so, so the hosting part of it, is that something that Bitmain provides or do you work with sort of other well-known clouds uh, hosting providers? No, so we offer our own hosting services and hosting is you know, basically the landlord. So you know, uh, we were fortunate enough to enter into a relationship together and you wanted to buy machines. You don't have anywhere to put them. You would say, hey, Phoenix, can you look after my machines um, and I'll pay you, you know, for, for doing so. So we actually provide, fortunately, uh, that service to Bitmain as well. So not only do we buy machines from them, they purchase their own machines and then give them to us to run also. So um, really what we're trying to do is create and maintain our own ecosystem from the purchase of the machine all the way through to running of that machine as well for either us or an individual that wishes to invest within the space. Interesting. But So it's is it locally hosted as in... Uh, is it most mining done 
uh, on the cloud or is it done through the, the computers like locally? Physically, uh, yeah. wherever the computer is. Okay. So um, Canada, US, the Americas for us. Okay. Um, however, the way that the, the, the mining um, process works, all of the computers on the network join together to solve the equation. Mm -hmm. So your computer you know, may be in Kazakhstan, uh, mine could be in the Philippines, mm -hmm. uh, but we're all providing that system or that service on the network together. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, good. I'm getting there. Sorry to understand everything. Um, so we can move on. Uh, yeah, so the typical customer, or is there a typical customer? Uh, is this a miner or is this someone who is looking to kind of, is it one of the, the tokens or the coins themselves? Or who are, the, who are your customers? Uh, it could be almost anyone unfortunately the barrier to entry within the space is is the single cost of a machine so we're happy to sell you know a single unit to any anyone and that can retail between uh you know five to fifteen thousand us dollars per machine so that's the only barrier to entry um you know before uh you know, boys and girls would do this in their bedroom uh, on you know, ho uh, homemade computers, but now they're, they're going into more of a specialist computer. Mm. So we still get the, the hobbyist that wants to, to, to mine. Um, majority of our, our clients that we see are the tech savvy investor uh, that want to get into the space uh, and want to own the hardware themselves and you know, want to, to mine, but not necessarily on our level and industrial level uh, you know maybe 10 to a thousand machines is is the range of investment that we see mm, interesting um so to put things into perspective uh, where are we today phoenix technology has been running as you mentioned for seven years what's the current market opportunity for mining and what's the landscape are there many competitors uh and yeah what's the kind of status quo for for this industry that you're playing in? So seven years of, of mining um, is an absolute lifetime, uh, <laughs> given that it's, you know, three o'clock in the morning and it's, it's pretty much 20 hours working in the crypto space. Um, mining industry is, is an interesting one. It all depends on um, who you're talking to within crypto. So, you know, you have the traders um, that are trading the, the, the coin that we, in essence, manufacture um, every 10 minutes, every day. Um, they have a very different outlook on the industry. Um, uh, it's, it's a lot hotter uh, because they're, they're living it, you know, second by second trading the ups and downs. Whereas us as the miners, it's a, it's a, it's a slower pace, but I can tell you now it's not that slow. Um, We've just seen a, a huge move of, of um, global hash power, so global computing power, move from China. Um, their move to ban mining, um, from my perspective, was um, something that they needed to do in order to reduce their carbon footprint. We produce or we require a lot of power to run our operations. Um, China's carbon footprint was getting out of control. So uh, an easy win for them was to you know, remove an industry that is sometimes operating in the gray area, 
Mm. Uh, not that what we do is illegal. Um, it's, you know, the obtaining of power in some of these reasons in China wasn't necessarily um, the, the cleanest solution that, that could have been provided. So with China removing all of that, it offered the rest of the world the ability to increase their, um, their computing power um, because that, that hash power had to go somewhere. It was around about 53%. So just over half of the compute network was, was based within the, the China region. So that has now started to disperse around the rest of the world. And we've seen regions such as Russia, um, such as North America, uh, increase their foothold in the in the global production market for hash power. Um, so on the one hand, the traders have taken the coin from, let's say, 60,000 uh, US dollars per Bitcoin, now down to 30,000. However, because the number of computers on the network has also halved, my revenue is the same. So it all depends on, you know, which side of the uh, the Bitcoin space, the crypto space that you are uh, viewing this from. As mm. usual in life, everything is about perspective. Mm. So you know, we'll start to see that that hash power increase again as more machines get put onto the network, as people are able to sign power contracts in other jurisdictions. Um, but mining is is something that will be around for many, many years, let's say, uh, at least until the year 2140, which is when the last Bitcoin will be mined. So. There's, uh, there's some legs in it yet. Yeah, interesting. So just specifically on that, the the mining that you do uh, with the Bitmain and the shard is specifically for Bitcoin. You don't mine other co coins at the moment? Uh, we don't, uh, no. Um, with the machines that we run, you can mine any SHA-256, uh, uh, SHA-SHA standing for sec uh, Secure Hash Algorithm 256. Okay. So that's uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision. So all these coins can be mined with, uh, with the machines that we run. Okay, so basically you're seven years in, you've got about 19 years to go and you're going to be many sleepless nights <laughs> until you mine all the crypto Bitcoin in the world. <laughs> yeah. 100, 120 years to go, 2140. So, oh, 2140. Uh, ah, yeah. uh oh, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, I don't have that long on the clock. Okay, wow. Okay, so there's a lot to go. Yeah, so so mining essentially, you know, when people are trading, this is the thing, and Bitcoin in particular, it's capped, yet the other coins, uh, so many of them aren't capped, and people talk about inflation and, and different sorts of factors are here, but essentially, uh, when people are trading something, they need supply, whichever yeah. uh, token or currency it is. And to create that supply, what your business and your company is doing, you're basic, you know, you're like the Fed, you're printing money, except you're mining Bitcoin. Yeah, in, in effect, yes. Uh, and look, unfortunately, the, the guys that I have to pay for power don't accept Bitcoin yet. So... I'm also, along with you know my fellow miners, creating a certain amount of liquidity at, at, at points um, because the product that I, I mine, the Bitcoin, needs to be sold into the market to create a liquidity pool for me to take fiat cash out to pay uh, my service providers. So you know, not only are we we mining that resource that people are trading. We're also selling it into the market in order for us to, to get cash to pay for goods and services.
Okay, so to, so usually, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but when people, miners do generally take some themselves, right? Is there a percentage? And that's what you're talking about to sort of, you, you, you mine a Bitcoin, but you take something to pay for your uh, overheads. Yeah, I was just uh, reviewing one of the client's portfolios today. Um, one of the clients will have made 87% net profit this month, which is pretty typical. Um, they're seeing a, a net return of around about six and a half percent every month, which is pretty astonishing um, for any investment. Um, that's become the norm within our space. Um, yes, it's risky um, because it's it's Bitcoin at the end of it. Um, but with the the migration of the hash power. The current BTC price, um, current market sentiment, the revenue per computer share that, that you generate is is extremely lucrative, and it and it has been uh, year to date. Um, so it's uh, it's a great win for the investors at the moment. Fascinating. So if people are trying to understand mining, they don't need to actually be technically. It's more of an investment. You can choose to invest in mining work with a provider like you, you know, whether they purchase the device or not, they can pay you that amount, also pay you the management fee and get a return on investment each month just on mining rather than even holding their own uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, the idea of the showrooms is is not just to sell. Obviously, it's it's great if we can sell everything. You know, that's a, uh, one of the ideas. But the other piece is to educate. You know, we're in a space that is predominantly online um, and that does get bad press um, through misrepresentation or misinformation. So, you know, the whole um, push from our side was to, you know, if we can open up a few showrooms, if we can do, uh, you know, interviews like this to get the word out there about mining, um, about the space that we operate and have operated in for a number of years then you know that education goes a long way and if people are, uh, are comfortable and, and with the, the level of risk that that is inherent in the space and they choose to invest then there are some potentially you know, lucrative uh, returns that they can capitalize on interesting so talking about some of that press and just in particular around regulation are we talking about regulation differently for uh cryptocurrencies and how they're used in the world and regulation around the power contracts that you sign and uh, and that side of things. So are you more occupied with uh, favorable terms in terms of being able to mine in terms of power? Regulation is needed in the space, full stop. Uh, you know, we, we're not a bedroom industry anymore. Uh, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, in all aspects, whether that be the machines, the trading, the, the businesses that operate on the blockchain, the business that you know, supports the blockchain. So, you know, we need to fall in line with um, other industry best practice. And, and a lot of that is formulated with regulation. For my industry specifically, um, that regulation is starting to be formed around the PPAs, the power purchase agreements. And that's because it's the main part of our, our, our operations. You know, the amount of power that we consume as a miner um, is enough to run a couple of thousand houses. So, 
you know, when I'm in the market to purchase power as I am in the moment, the conversation I'm having is governmental level. Um, the same with a lot of my counterparts. And, you know, we're, we're vying to take power from, um, you know, city planners, in essence, wow. that are looking to expand their cities. So, you know, it's, it's not just, hey, I want a couple of hundred megawatts to run my operation. You know, it's what effect does the industry I want to, um, I want to support, I want to build have on, you know, the, the city landscape that you're looking to build you know, for, for us now you know, in South Carolina. So, you know, that's, that's the level of power that, that we're looking to consume. Um, and our you know, competitors, our counterparts are looking to do the same all over the world. So it does need to be regulated. Um, and, you know, we are regulated because we're, we're operating now in a world where, um, you know, large manufacturing uh, industries, um, aluminium, uh, pulp and paper, chemical, they operate in the same world and they have to buy power. So we are aligning with that. Um, I think the big push at the moment is uh, green energy, which I'm sure is a, a question that you have on the list to, to ask. Yeah, definitely, uh, absolutely. Uh, but so, firstly, in terms of the 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 locations that you've cho chosen, and you mentioned the PPA uh, documents or contracts, are they more favourable in Russia, North America, Canada at the moment, or because they're less regulated, or because it's more advanced? What's the opportunity for uh, governments or industries or locations to sort of embrace this? Uh, as a as a as a new manufacturing space. So, you know, we look to hire around three people for every megawatt of power consumed, and that's twenty four seven is what we operate, as we've alluded to a number of times in jest. So, you know, our crypto industry has has been synonymous recently with you know being uh, COVID proof. Uh, disaster proof because it runs 24 seven. So, you know, let's say the employees can't turn up to work. A lot of the operations are automated uh, and we can run self-sufficiently without, you know, many people there, but we're consuming power. So that's also generating revenue for uh, the power company or the utility or the government. So there's a constant revenue stream coming and it, it's, it's volume. It's, it's, it's large volumes that we consume as we've already noted. So the, the regulation, the regulation is already there because these, these power purchase agreements are already heavily regulated um, because they're selling power. Okay. The regulation that's starting to creep in is, is to do with, um, you know, where is your energy coming from? So Russia does well, America does well, North America does well, Canada, because these guys have a, a large production of um, renewable energy, uh, hydro, solar, wind. Um, they also have a, a lot of gas and or coal. But that's something that our industry is looking to step away from and, and has to step away from again you know if we're to align with the rest of the world on clean energy on you know alignment to whatever the, the latest narrative is to you know be sustainable we must also follow that um, to be 
in keeping with the rest of the industries. Mm. So that's that's really where the regulation's sitting now is, you know, where does your source of energy come from? Is it deemed clean and or renewable? Interesting. Yeah, so as you explained, the power that you're using to mine crypto is similar to another manufacturing company, but I guess the reason the, the crypto space is getting more heat, uh, forgive the use of the word, but more attention uh, is because maybe it, it's new and it mightn't have been necessary at a time of heightened attention around, you know, climate change. Um, and then you alluded to, you know, China's decision around carbon emissions. Um, and uh, the, there has been a lot of chat recently in the last few months around, uh, you know, Tesla, Elon Musk, who's a big propagator, you know, promoter of, of Bitcoin saying we no longer accept Bitcoin for Tesla. So this is kind of, uh, you know, almost spooked the the market that, uh, you know, crypto mining can't be renewable or can't be done in a in a eco-friendly way. And I guess maybe at the moment people are looking for solutions and talking about things that might happen. What's your current take on it, uh, on sort of like you were talking about in terms of renewable energy for mining and, and where we are and where we're going? Great couple of questions. Um, big questions as well. Hot, hot questions in the industry right now. Um, remember at the start of the conversation, uh, we were saying, you know, geographically, uh, your machine could be, you know, in location X, mine could be in location Y. So let's say that your uh, energy runs on solar, fully renewable. Mine runs in a uh, a gas field in Alberta, let's say, and I'm converting uh, natural gas into electricity. We're both supporting the network. You're renewable, clean energy, and I'm a fossil fuel. By that very nature, the network is then not running on sustainable energy because 50% is being provided by you on renewable and 50% by me on a carbon-based, uh, non-renewable energy source. So the issue i would say that i have with the, the current narrative and stance of a lot of people in the industry is it's unrealistic um to assume or suggest that the the blockchain could be uh fully renewable um and that you know uh advocates such as mr musk are saying you know it's uh, uh we support bitcoin but we don't support you know unclean mining yep uh, to a cent, uh, that's the that's the right way to be. You know, we, we need to push a renewable narrative, 100%. But is it realistic to assume that the network can be wholly renewable? The answer is no. Um, you know, it only takes one hobbyist miner to run a container full of machines in you know a gas plant somewhere, and then the network then is no longer renewable. So. Um, and that's extremely difficult to try and regulate. Um, it's, I would say, impossible. Um, where we can, we have to use renewables. But again, you know, how are those renewables created? The dam that provides my hydroelectricity in uh, Winnipeg, in Manitoba, was not built with clean energy. It was, it was built with fossil fuels, you know, the trucks. 
the forest, the deforestation that had to occur. So we need to be extremely careful on, you know, what sustainable means, what renewable means. And we need to have a certain acceptance level um, and understanding that, you know, okay, our industry is new. Um, every miner that I speak to is happy to align to a clean uh, energy provision. Um, but the rest of the world needs to be realistic in, you know, what that means and, and not poke and prod too much. You know, the chemical industry, the aluminium, uh, the pulp and paper manufacturing industry consume huge amounts of power on par with what uh, we consume. And as far as I'm aware, those guys haven't had heat for uh, where their power comes from. Uh, for other things, maybe, but certainly not for power consumption. So, you know, that's that's where I would sit on that. It's, it's good to have it in the context. And thanks for explaining. I guess to push a little bit, <laughs> you know, yeah. to for good. listeners who want to uh, ask the more climate uh, uh, push questions, what, you know, people mightn't have questioned those industries because they see the need for them. They're not going to say, you know, hey, um, the cars that we drive, we have the option. Yeah, tomorrow we're not going to be fully out of oil, but we can have electric. And you're saying the same thing. But but we need cars or we need computers or we feel like we do in our daily lives. And I think people don't understand the crypto world might come at it from a point, well, like China, why don't we just ban mining or why don't we just ban crypto or so a, a more bigger sort of, hey, do we really need this before we unleash this onto the world? Uh, you know, is now the chance to say, let's just stop that crypto stuff. It's too late. <laughs> yeah, if only, that, if only that were the case. I mean, you know, Bitcoin's been around the same amount of time as Uber, for example. And, you know, if we use Uber as a, as a, as a, as a case, the number of countries that have tried to ban Uber uh, because it's been taking jobs away from taxi drivers. Uh, it was misunderstood, misrepresented. Now look at where Uber is. Uh, it's the biggest uh, ride sharing or taxi service globally. Um, everything needs to be understood and adapt to the uh, jurisdiction that it operates in. And education is, is a huge piece in that. Um, you know, we have to keep up with the times and, you know, when the car overtook the horse, there was a big hoo-ha around that. And, you know, we're seeing it again in that industry with, you know, the electric vehicle, um, superseding the, uh, petrol vehicle. So, you know, things evolve. Uh, we, we have to follow the trend and we have to learn to accept the new industry that, that we create um and and find a place for it in the world and, and that's that's the the beautiful thing about you know who we are as as human beings you know we we've created something and we need to learn to to deal with that now now that uh, you know pandora's box has been opened fair enough uh, but is there other other ways i'm not brilliant on this but is other other ways i think ethereum too and, and things like that that doesn't I think what scares people in some respects is that the knowledge of, you know, pictures of mining computers in, you know, fields or warehouses, that the, the power, the vast power, you mentioned thousands of houses that's needed to create something that we just see uh, on the on the blockchain. We, we You know, we might have thought it was matrix like it was just on a com on a device. We mightn't have thought that, hey, 
it needs huge power to create these things. So rather than, you know, hoping that renewables move faster or hydrogen or other things, is there ways to reduce the power on, on Bitcoin as well uh, that's needed to, to mine? Yeah, and that's called efficiency. Uh, and that's what's happening with uh, the mining machines. Um, there's rumored to be a new machine that will launch later this year from, from Bitmain, um, which will use the latest five nanometer chip, uh, which is something that Apple is now using in their latest products. So with this increase in efficiency, we produce more computer output for less power draw. Okay. So, you know, this is how all industry evolves and ours is no, uh, no dissimilar to that. So, you know, the more that the industry is able to grow, the more the able, uh, sorry, more the, the industry is understood, the more resource we can put into the industry. Mm. And that resource will be put to task to reduce um, or increase the efficiency, uh, which will then, you know, reduce the number of, uh, of mining farms that we need, the power draws of those mining farms. And we'll reach to that, that tipping point, that equilibrium where, the farm expansion will cease um, and the power will then start to drop, but the output will continue to increase. And that's not too far away, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't suggest, given that the, the latest figures that are being released for these computer chips. Okay, great. So brilliant. I've learned something about efficiencies, but of course, uh, there's a, sh a chip shortage in the world as well. So that might be another hurdle. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, the, the largest chip manufacturer, TSCM, I mean, they produce for uh, Apple and you've got Samsung, who's a big player in the, the industry as well. There's always a shortage of something, right? We always have to deal with the constant supply and demand. Uh, that's just how it is. Um, great. I mean, it's going to uh, restrict, um, you know, the entry into this space. It will reduce the amount of uh, new computers that go, go onto the network, which makes it more profitable for uh, you know, new to entry miners um, and reduces the burden on the, the network at the moment to you know, constantly have the latest and greatest machine. So you know, if there is a chip shortage, it's, uh, it won't be the first time. Um, mm. We just have to, to deal with it. Yeah, get on with this. Uh, yeah. Also, Phil, I was wondering about mining in general. Is it always sort of uh, decentralized? Is it always away from the from the coin of the company, or uh, is it? Is there ever a case where you know, almost like Coinbase, is there ever a case where the CEO of a token they're managing their own mining, and and how does that work? Yeah. So um, a company called Tal, um, who are the um, founders or backers of uh, BSV, Bitcoin Satoshi's vision. So those guys have uh, created the coin and they also mine that coin um, to support you know, their, their business endeavor. So there are a number of companies that, that have a coin and that mine a coin. Um, Bitcoin will never be that because uh, you know, there is no one group or individual thus far that has come forward to say that they are Satoshi. So, um, you know, there's, there are a number of companies that do it. Um, majority of the mining companies that, that I know of, um, they don't have a coin. 
they all they all mine to support the various different networks, whether that be BSV, BCH, or, or, or BTC, Bitcoin. Um, and, yeah, that's. And and the other ones, the other coins like well, we mentioned Ethereum, but any of the other ones, the new technologies that are emerging, how does that sort of mining mining ecosystem work? Uh, very very similar to ours. Um, look the. With mining, you're supporting the network, so you're supporting the transactions, yeah. or you're supporting in, in in Bitcoin's case, you're you're generating that new coin. With um, Ethereum, for example, um, the coins are in existence, so you're supporting that network that then operates on that framework on the, on the Ethereum uh, blockchain and framework. So um, one is proof of stake. So you're staking the coins, so you're holding those coins and supporting through holding. And the other one is proof of work, which is Bitcoin. Um, mm. So you're, you're working uh, on the network to provide that support to create new coins into existence. Mm. Okay, interesting. And so your, your company is pretty much focused on the proof of work parts and, and doing what you're doing with the devices. Is that the sort of roadmap? There's obviously a, a long time to go, uh, but is that the sort of roadmap or are you looking at, at, you know, doing other things like the proof of stake or anything else? So we believe in, in specializing in, in one of the subjects, uh, which is going to be Bitcoin mining. Um, we've learned some valuable lessons over the years. We have a great relationship, a very rare relationship with Bitmain to be their only official distributor, um, which is a, a huge accolade to have and, and obviously aligning to the biggest partner in the industry. So we will continue to purchase the machines to operate on our, our own use, as well as to you know, sell into the industry and, and offer services to others to get into mining. The plan for for our company specifically in, in terms of growth is to become one of the largest miners globally and to offer that premier service, to offer the, the, the framework, the regulation that you and I have spoken about is you know, to, to give a benchmark for cryptocurrency mining. You know, what should the farm look like? How should it operate? Mm. What number of staff should be hired? What education, what background do they have to have? You know, what what do we have to give them in order to operate in that space? Um, and to have a number of locations globally um, to support that. Wow, I didn't really understand. So you are the exclusive distributor for one of the leading manufacturers globally um, on Bitcoin. Okay, that's not something to yeah. walk away from. <laughs> okay, so, but Correct, yeah. I think, you know, we've moved on quite quickly onto a lot of things and thanks, it's been really interesting. But just to kind of go back a bit, Phil, to ask how you got involved into uh, the crypto world in the first place. Yeah, uh, a buddy of mine suggested uh, you should look into this. Um, so, uh, yeah, sure, no issues. So I went and deposited a thousand dollars into an ATM on Shigzaid Road, uh, into uh, I think it was uh, Rack Bank. I opened up a uh, conversation on some some chat forum uh, with some unknown individual. I highly <laughs> do not recommend doing any of this. Um, and uh, the guy said, "Yeah, go put this money into my account, and I'll send you some Bitcoin, whatever that was." So uh, off I went, put the money in the account, and all of a sudden I had some 
digital numbers showing up on my account. Bitcoin was around about $250 at the time. Whoa. And uh, I thought, great, okay. No idea what this is. And um, not knowing, you know, ultimately what I was doing, um, which is a recurring theme, <laughs> I, uh, I sold that out and uh, put it into something called Darkcoin, which is now Dash. Um, and then I bought some more Bitcoin later on. And uh, inevitably, it went down. Um, so I thought, well, that was uh, a waste of money and time. And then uh, the same guy rung me back up and uh, oh my have you seen the price a quick have a look and uh dash as an idea had uh, had gone up sixty thousand percent so uh Whoa, this was numbers yeah. early early days yeah so uh i just wish i put more than a thousand dollars in at the time but anyway. <laughs> fomo yeah so when was that uh seven odd years ago eight years ago if not longer honestly yeah so whenever whenever dash was dark coin so okay. uh, yeah a, a number of years ago so 2012 2013 2014 2015 you're living and working in dubai you're in another industry and you start yep. sort of as a retail investor trader and then you start learning about the space 100 percent, yeah okay so then you left the other industry and you jumped into crypto full-time and you choose my mining yeah, it's. Um, I chose mining because it's it's it, it plays on one of my strengths uh, and something that I enjoy, which is processes and procedures and operations. Yeah. And you know, I I get to build these huge facilities uh, and operate them uh, and and you know get all the the moving parts working at a granular level uh, and then hand that over to to the guys to run. Um, as well as working on the investment pieces with larger scale investors. And it's fun, you know, it, it, it's super interesting. Um, and there's always something to, to review, uh, you know, either a, a farm in another location needs assistance because they're, they're having difficulties on how that runs, or there's a new machine coming out and you need to retrofit the old farms. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a multitude of, of, of different verticals within the same space or, or problems to solve. Fascinating. I, I, I think many people will be amazed to see that you can approach uh, crypto in the way that you using your strengths and skills, which are could be obviously used in traditional sort of manufacturing and operations or running any company. So it's and you don't have to be uh, you know a, a a massive coder or a, a techie person no, that you can you can do it from operations. Amazing. So and to, can you talk a little bit more around sort of Dubai and the Middle East and what your experience has been and how you set up the company and what sort of licensing that you needed and things like that. Yeah, so uh, because the machines uh, don't stay in Dubai, they operate, you know, uh, either Russia, North America. Um, Licensing-wise, we're we're selling a, a computer, so you know, there's nothing needed there. The crypto industry in in the UAE is still um, extremely new, and they're trying to understand, you know, what it is that all these different players in the market do and as ever with the UAE, they're very forthcoming on, you know, wanting to be the premier within that industry, which is fantastic. Um, again, you know, we can always do more to support uh, and educate the government on, you know, what it is mining is. Um, there are a few um, mining facilities in the UAE, um, but typically due to the, the heat, um, it does perturb 
um, a, a lot of investors setting up there. Um, it's another, you know, level of investment that you require in order to manage that heat, mm. um, you know, as well as the equipment themselves. So, you know, um, regulatory wise, there's not much uh, that's needed. Um, just because mining isn't isn't something that's done large scale. Um, the regulation that's that's becoming in the industry, you know, in the UAE is around coin sales, you know, trading, um, what is Bitcoin classed as or cryptocurrency classed as, uh, you know, how do you move it around? How do you sell it? You know, uh, are there taxation implications? Are, are there any other countries in the region who are kind of exploring this at a sort of at a speed with momentum where you think that, you know, mining can happen or that just it can be more a favorable environment for energy and regulation around uh around what you're doing in the gcc no uh because we all suffer from heat so um you know there's uh we can't remove that that uh, that issue um as we move outside of that region um the cis region and again americas then then yes you know those guys have um, a bit more of a temperate climate that lends way to mining. Mm. Um, I mean, even here in South Carolina, it's a steady 30-ish degrees daily. Um, so we have to have large industrial fans that you know pump that air into the facility. And uh, it's okay. Uh, it's not ideal. Um, you know, you want a temperature between 5 and 20 degrees. That's kind of your sweet spot. Mm. But then you also need cheap power yeah so the places that offer the weather the power you know the the labor resource so it's uh you try and have to make uh, you know the best of what you have but uh, so a forward-thinking government in the region who wanted to get involved in a new manufacturing space that has good power not necessarily the levant region at the moment but in, in that sort of thing that you think that this would be an interesting space for people to for governments to look into or North Africa and places like that? Yeah, uh, political stability, unfortunately, is something then that, you know, investors will look at. Mm. Um, you know, Africa is, is suggested to be able to solve all of the world's uh, power requirements just through renewables alone. Unfortunately, uh, the investment doesn't go into that. Um, so, you know, as I noted before, the amount of power that we consume is cities worth of power. Unfortunately, uh, for the regions in Africa, the power infrastructure that they have isn't able to sustain, um, you know, the infrastructure that they currently operate. So it would be extremely uh, unfair and unfavorable for you know, the industry I operate in to go there and take power that uh, unfortunately is, is is needed a lot more by its inhabitants than than us so mm. you know again while the uh, availability of power is is potentially there with investment the infrastructure isn't uh, as well as the political state of a lot of these regions isn't there um, mm. to support a, a billion dollar industry okay sadly so, so the places uh, well explained yeah so the places that you've chosen um, are to be kind of bigger units and not sort of individual people spread around. Um, so kind of lastly then to finish with uh, Phoenix Technology, what are you hoping that uh, the kind of industry classifies mining as? So we talked about 
um, you know, other cryptocurrencies, whether they're commodities or whether they're whatever they're being classified as in order to know how to regulate them. Um, would it be easier if people classified mining in, in a certain way or what would you, you and your peers like um, the narrative to be around what you do? Manufacturing, in essence, uh, same as a gold miner, um, same as you know, silver. We're, we're a, a mine, just a, a modern day mine. Um, but we're, a, you know, we're a, we're a producer, we're, we're a manufacturer. Um, it's what happens after that process, after we've refined our precious resource. So mm. Bitcoin for our world or, you know, gold for the others and silver. So, you know, that has to be, uh, regulated for what we, we, we class that product as, um, is it a commodity? Um, is it, you know, a modern day precious metal, is it uh, currency? Um, that's the, the thing that needs to be regulated and depending on which geographical jurisdiction you operate in, it's, it's deemed as, you know, certain things. So there needs to be a global consensus for what, what that is. Um, then there will be global taxation for, for what that's then deemed as, but that's unfortunately the way that, that it goes. Interesting. Okay. Well, good. I think I get it as manufacturing. So you've convinced me, you've convinced one. <laughs> but so, uh, Phil, you know, like, obviously, we, you know, you, you said that you are the sole distributor, and you know what you're doing, and you're good at it. Um, but it, there must be another reason you must really have a bull case for Bitcoin. There's been a lot of narrative around Ethereum. NFTs are quite zeitgeisty at the moment. And people are watching trends and seeing how things are going. So are, are you, what is your sort of view of Bitcoin? Is it that store of value? And what are the kind of things that you're that you think people will see in the next few years? So Bitcoin is the original. There is no other like it. Everything else is a copy of that. Um, and that's that's what I like about it. Um, when you look at the the white paper that supports Bitcoin, when you understand what it's created the industry that surrounds it now what's come from it the competition the you know pushing the growth of the chips um it's phenomenal to believe that an individual or a group created this um from inception and there was nothing like it before uh and the only things that have come after again are you know replicas or copies so that's what excites me about about bitcoin where did it come from uh you know what was it truly set up to achieve will we ever know hopefully not i like that air of mystique <laughs> about something uh, and it's rare that we have that in this day and age um so you know that's that's what excites me about bitcoin anyone can own it um you don't need to own one bitcoin you can own a fraction of which is called a satoshi um and it enables you know free trade globally i don't need to go through you know various different remittance banks and have a number of different questions asked about what's moving around with the cash and where's it going who's it going to yes we need regulation you know we need to make sure that we're aligned to certain know your customer and anti-money laundering laws but again you know we are 
trying to move forward as as individuals in this world and bitcoin really truly enables that without anyone looking over you so you know i'm a i'm a huge advocate for for anything that can enable individuality amazing thanks for explaining again and okay so thanks for your time at very early hours over there uh are you once you've kind of set that up are you kind of continuing sort of moving around to the different places that you are or do you intend to run this enterprise from from dubai in the future uh great questions i would love to know the answer to them myself <laughs> um we need another 100 150 megawatts so you know after i've uh, i've built this endeavor the plan for me is to come back to dubai in august um so i was just there um and, and then to turkey as i noted to open that showroom so back in august at some point um to start from scratch look at the drawing board see what relationships that we can grow um hopefully in canada this time and uh yeah and uh, put another flag down um, for another facility and then the nice part about these these facilities that we open up globally is you know we do have great strategic relationships and partnerships with people that can run them for us almost like a facilities management provider mm. um you know we put the infrastructure in uh, the policies the procedures uh, and they run them for us so um that would be the the short-term plan um on the end of the year to at least sign another agreement up and then it will be refinement of operations and just you know keeping that that uh, that ball rolling and uh, then providing the service that you know, is is our plan to the industry and uh, yeah just just creating that premier service fascinating and discussion at some point sorry and sleep <laughs> well, and sleep yeah i better let you sleep now but as as you talk i keep thinking of more things so it'd be great to follow your story your journey it's been fascinating conversation definitely you know learned so much so thanks a lot for sharing phil and uh yeah we'll keep in touch we follow phoenix technologies perfect well, thanks for the opportunity i really appreciate it thank you Take care. That's it for another episode of Dubai Works. Thank you so much for listening and please leave a review on the podcast platform that you're listening to. It really helps with organic searches. Also, if you'd like to appear on Dubai Works or know someone who has an inspiring business story in Dubai, please do get in touch on any of the smashy social platforms.